0: Yeah, I've got a pretty simple position on this, actually. It's called open the hell up. Open this country the hell up and get a move on. That's News Hub's Patrick Gower on Tuesday, echoing what's been a consistent call from some quarters over the last two years. Though the government's conservative COVID strategy has proved popular, it's always had loud detractors in the media, with commentators and business leaders combining to call it draconian overreach that's killing the economy. Here's Mike Hosking in the first week of the Level 4 lockdown that he had previously campaigned for in early 2020.
1: Every year, heart disease claims 6,000 lives, one every 90 minutes. We're not crashing the economy for that. Overall, we had over 33,000 deaths a year. By the way, those deaths that year were the highest rate in 25 years. You won't remember the alarm because there wasn't any.
0: Hoskins' claim that clamping down on COVID is destroying the economy has since been backed by an armada of bosses and business representatives in the media. This is Glenfield Mall owner Dallas Pendergrass calling for an earlier end to lockdown restrictions on retailers in late April 2020.
1: So yes, they want to be open. Nobody can understand why they can't be open. And... um, And it it just seems to me prolonging the agony and making it 10 times worse for them all.
0: As COVID cases return to zero, Flight Centre Chief Executive Graham Turner was among those calling for New Zealand to open up its borders and learn to live with the virus in order to keep our economy running.
2: The virus is going to be endemic and some people are going to die from it. Um,
0: Just like uh, in Australia, I don't know about New Zealand exact numbers, but in Australia about 2,000 people on a normal year, die from the flu. Thousands of people die in road accidents. I know in the United States, hundreds of thousands of people die from smoking. So it's just another one of those minor risk factors in the country that we've got to learn to live with. This strain of commentary has been pervasive even as the country has abandoned elimination. Here's Northland Chamber of Commerce Chief Executive Steve Smith talking to RNZ's Checkpoint about the region remaining in the red traffic light setting over summer due to its low vaccination rates. Have we not done enough? Can we not just please get on with things? In recent months, these commentators and business leaders have got most of what they always wanted. Traffic light settings have eased. Lockdowns are a fading memory. Shops are open and the border is following suit. Indoor gathering limits have just been increased from 100 to 200, which is still a significant imposition if you're into nightclubbing, church going, or both. But the vaccinated can visit as many bars, cafes, and car dealerships as they want, provided they mask up and scan in. From April 4, the country's relatively small number of unvaccinated will be able to do the same without even scanning. Predictably, as these freedoms have built up, so has the country's number of COVID cases. We are, as many have proposed, living with the virus. But so far, that hasn't provided the economic boost some expected. A story from last weekend's edition of the Sunday Star Times reported that spending in Auckland city centre was down 63% on two years ago, with Heart of the City Chief Executive and Mayoral candidate Viv Beck saying that businesses had just endured their worst week outside of Level 4 lockdown in March 2020. Stuff's report also described parts of Wellington as a ghost town and noted that 40% of Canterbury businesses are adopting flexible work practices to deal with COVID isolation rules. Meanwhile, the Herald warned that if Wellingtonians don't, quote, snap out of their self-imposed mini-lockdowns, there won't be much left of the city as we know it to come back to. None of this came as a surprise to newsroom's Mark Dalder, who has monitored how people in other countries have responded to their own COVID outbreaks. He's been a critic of the idea that more freedom always equals better business. Regardless of
1: whether you have government restrictions or not, the fact that there's a pandemic on will depress business activity. People won't want to go out if they think they might catch a virus, and they uh, and they might not be able to go out because they are currently sick with the virus. Um, so, even talking last year or the year before about what happens when you do have a a proper big COVID outbreak in New Zealand, what happens when actually The the virus is just in the community.
0: Yeah, it must be a surprise for some, particularly business representatives in the retail and hospitality sectors, for instance, though, because reading their comments in the media, you'd be forgiven for thinking that restrictions are actually destroying the economy and opening up will save it. Why hasn't that happened?
1: Yeah, I think there's been a sort of very concerted effort in the media, or a narrative maybe, um, as well as sort of from overseas governments, uh, to say restrictions are the problem. Once we get rid rid of restrictions, things can go back to normal. But it's never been about the restrictions. It's always been about the fact that that there is a pandemic on and that that's not something that, that any government can do anything about. You know that was the magic of the elimination strategy is we actually kind of got to live like there wasn't a pandemic on for an extra eighteen months. You know that's come to an end, and and we're now just with the rest of the world in terms of having to deal with the new normal. So that means some restrictions, sure, but it also just means stuff that might have been sustainable in a in a pre-COVID world might not be anymore. You just might not be able to sustain the same level of hospitality or tourism. People might not be wanting to go out and do as many activities that involve being in an indoor crowded space with poor ventilation and a lot of singing or shouting or talking. People will still want to do that, but the market just might be less.
0: Should we have been able to predict that maybe fuel restrictions wouldn't necessarily be the panacea that we thought it would be?
1: It it was totally predictable. And and in fact, from data that sort of compares New Zealand to overseas, the the Google mobility data is a really good example of, of tracking how many people are going out to retail and recreation compared to pre-pandemic. And even now in Wellington and Auckland, those levels are are much, much higher than in uh, places like New York City or London or other cities around the world where, A, they're not in the peak of an outbreak anymore, while we still are. and, And B, they have, in many cases, fewer or no restrictions whatsoever. But still, you know, that economic activity is just way, way down. If you look at the complaints about Wellington in particular that were happening last week, that was the peak of the outbreak in Wellington, you know, 5% of, of the entire population of Capital Coast DHB was an active case, which means they had to legally stay at home. And many of those people will have had household contacts who had to stay home too. So putting aside even people who didn't want to go out, a, a large chunk of people couldn't go out whatsoever because, you know, they, they were sick with a, a pandemic virus.
0: Which is actually, I mean, just to, we might be getting off topic, but this is what retail is really kind of chafing at, and hospitality is chafing at, they same, saying, well, you don't stay at home waiting to get sick from the flu.
1: Sure, maybe you'd have slightly f- more customers coming in uh, to your cafe if, if people who are cases or people who were contacts could come in, but then your staff might get infected or you might get infected and then actually the whole thing has to shut down.
0: Do you think that business leaders, commentators, section of the commentary class have failed to... Really consider the downside risks like that—the costs in terms of widespread COVID infection of opening up, and the not just the safety cost there, but the economic costs of that widespread infection.
1: Yes, so the, there's been a failure to understand what the counterfactual would be. People have been comparing it to periods of level four and level one, and understandably, that that the message that sends is that. Um, restrictions are the problem. But uh, the the counterfactual is never going to be either we have restrictions or we go back to life like it was in 2019. The, The counterfactual is always going to be either we have restrictions or we don't have restrictions. Either way, there's a pandemic. And so actually restrictions make people feel safer to go out reduces the number of cases, which also makes people feel safer and makes sure that actually your business, uh, your staff and and you yourself don't get sick so you can keep operating. So there's been a total failure of, of imagination and understanding of, you know, what the actual choices are or were in front of us.
0: Do you think there's actually an element of not just a failure of imagination, but almost magical thinking from some business leaders, politicians and commentators who just seem to be champing at the bit, that to drop all restrictions and the idea that this will make us go back to normal, quote, is there such a thing as, quote, normal anymore?
1: Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's a new normal and, and what exactly what that looks like will be different for different people and in different places. But we're not going to be getting rid of COVID anytime soon and it's still not anywhere quite close to a state where it fades into the background like the flu. It's actually going to be here for a while, there will be surges and there will be quieter periods. And during the surges, there will be government restrictions, but also people will make individual decisions that they would like to restrict their social contact uh, a bit more. There seems to be Yeah, magical thinking or or, or a belief that we can just close our eyes and pretend that the pandemic isn't there, that we can just get rid of the restrictions and ignore the the sickness and the hospitalizations and the deaths that uh, would come from that and just get back to business as normal. And that might work fine for people who uh, are business owners and have no... you you know, have no qualms about this, people who are triple vaccinated and healthy and young, but actually, uh, you know, a sizable proportion of the population is vulnerable to severe disease from COVID. And those people are going to make their own decisions, regardless of what the government tells them is safe. There was this period during the August 2020 lockdown, so the first August one, when commentators were saying, well, we should do what Sweden does, which is to have no restrictions, to let the virus in, and just to shield, you know, put put people who are vulnerable in a sort of short-term lockdown while the virus sweeps through the young and gives everyone herd immunity and then we're all fine. There were a lot of problems with that, but the biggest problem was actually the people who are vulnerable makes up maybe most of the country, right? It's everyone over the age of 65. It's 1.5 million current or former smokers. It's everyone with diabetes. It's everyone who's overweight. It's people with heart conditions, people with asthma. That's a large number of people. It's going to be at least a third of the country, possibly more. And then when you consider the people who are healthy but who are their family members and who will reduce social contact to protect them, and suddenly, actually, you can't have a functioning economy if vulnerable people don't feel safe to go out and if their family members don't feel safe going out uh, in order to
0: protect them. Yeah, do you think that we have, as the media... Uh, given enough of a platform to those who will be put at risk by lowering restrictions, opening up, as they say, you know, low paid hospitality workers for one who will be, or, or supermarket workers, you know, all these kind of people that are put in harm's way when we open up and obviously immunocompromised, disabled people, that kind of thing, older people, have we paid too much attention to the concerns of business owners and too little to uh, vulnerable people?
1: That might be more your territory than my territory. I think <laughs> I'm,
0: I, I, I think I'm
1: comfortable saying a lot of the narrative around COVID has excluded you know, almost the whole way through the vulnerability of people while also dismissing how many vulnerable people there are. And part of that's because a lot of people are actually vulnerable and they don't know it, right? So if you have a third of the country who's vulnerable in some way or another, most of those people aren't going to be thinking of, for themselves, you know, I'm at much higher risk of getting COVID uh, than than the average New Zealander. But, you know, they still are. In the media, it's sometimes hard to, to pierce through those blinders if, if Many people themselves have those blinders, and, and you know journalists are just people as well. Despite really hard efforts by various people to, to, dis, to, to pull us away from this narrative of health versus economy, um, and to understand that actually you can't have a healthy economy if you don't have a healthy population, uh, I, I think that, that that sort of dichotomy is still the primary lens through which a lot of the decisions around COVID are seen uh, and reported on in the media.
0: In some of these recent stories, there seems like almost a, a thinly concealed annoyance from some of the business representatives, as if customers, potential customers, are being almost silly or illogical by refusing to dine out or go to retail stores at the moment. Are we being silly or illogical by refusing to go out? Is Omicron still a genuine risk that people should be trying to avoid?
1: So uh, maybe we will all get it eventually, but the fewer times we get it, the better for us, the better for our families and our kids and so on. Whether the decisions are irrational or not is, is almost besides the point. You know we have the situation where for the first two years of the pandemic, um, the government has made restrictions around what is safe. Now they're making restrictions and designing policies around what allows businesses to operate while also keeping the health system standing you know that's a very different standard and and so when you consider it from that perspective actually the government has now devolved responsibility for the pandemic response to each individual and it's hardly fair for the government and businesses who have been you know many businesses have been pushing for this for two years to now say hang on We've given everyone the right to choose what they'd like to do, and now they're not choosing what we'd want them to choose. That's unfair. Well, no, actually, to a certain extent, that welcome to free market capitalism. People will make their own decisions, um, and in this case, people are deciding not to go eat out when there's a pandemic. It, it, and it goes back to that thing of you know uh, just completely wishful thinking, magical thinking about what the alternative was to elimination or to... Tightly controlling the virus. The alternative was never going to be, sure, the hospitals are full and sure, one in 20 people in the city has COVID right now that we know of, but I'm still going to go out and pretend like there's nothing different from 2019. It was always going to be, well, hang on, there's a pandemic. I'm going to do things a bit differently. This is living with COVID, right? Like um, living with COVID is not pretending it isn't there. Living with COVID is there's a pandemic, so we have to do things differently. And, and somehow people have conflated living with COVID with living like it's 2019 and ignoring the death and destruction. It was never going to be that way.
0: Many business lobbyists and commentators reject the argument Mark Daughter was making there. They've prescribed the same treatment for our current spendthrift ways as usual, another dose of freedom. After the government's Wednesday announcement on further easing COVID restrictions, Hospitality NZ Chief Executive Julie White put out a statement calling the indoor limit of 200 people a nonsense. Restaurant owner Krishna Bodica said the pain won't stop for hospitality until rules around seated service and physical distancing are gone too. Meanwhile, others have denounced messaging aimed at stopping people catching COVID. Viv Beck has pinned the current retail downturn partly on the psychic damage inflicted by the colour of our traffic light setting. Here's what she had to say to Stuff: Red symbolises stop. The customers aren't here. They're staying away because they have to isolate or they're fearful of going out. This is a lockdown in all but name. In an interview with Duncan Garner on Today FM, Canterbury Chamber of Commerce Chief Executive Leanne Watson and Auckland Business Chamber Chief Executive Michael Barnett echoed that message, urging the government to abandon cautious messaging and replace it with calls to go out and enjoy life. Where's the freedom? Do you, do you feel like we've been shafted in that sense?
1: Yeah, but perhaps, um, I think, if you take Leanne's message with You know, we need a better narrative or we need a change in the narrative. It's been about red light. It's been about stop. It's been about hesitancy and fear. And we need to change that narrative now. So I think allowing greater personal responsibility is a part of
0: that. But do these business spokespeople actually represent the position of most businesses? Are there at least a few business owners who see not only a safety but potentially a commercial benefit in retaining at least some COVID restrictions while an outbreak is on? Rebecca Smith, co-owner of the award-winning restaurant Casador, has more nuanced views than some of her peers and says she doesn't see her stance reflected much in the media.
2: There are... Lots of business groups and lobbies that advocate for abandoning safety measures, moving to Orange is the particular call right now, and essentially opening up. I mean, our industry has been changed by COVID, and I'm just starting to accept back to normal is not going to happen for us. We need advocacy to consider things like liquor licensing, rates payments, more support with sick pay, assistance with ventilation, factors that will influence our ability to trade through the new normal. And I think that's the voice that's missing from lobby groups. I think the focus on opening up doesn't necessarily consider the wider view of our industry.
0: Do you think there's almost an element of magical thinking from some elements of the commentary that if we just remove the restrictions, things will go back to normal?
2: Yeah, like it's implied that if restriction stops, the pandemic ends. Trading through the Omicron outbreak has shown us that many people just have an aversion to catching the virus. People can go out right now, but many just don't want to. Even though this strain is less severe than previous strains, whether people are considering they're unvaccinated under fives or vulnerable household members or just not wanting to be inconvenienced by having to isolate if they catch the virus, there has been a reluctance to go out, despite largely being able to. I'm not sure that it's the restrictions that are stopping people from being in restaurants and bars right now.
0: Are there actually some economic arguments for keeping some safety restrictions as annoying and inconvenient as they are?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. If you can go out with confidence, knowing that you are best protected, I mean the majority of our guests ask to dine outdoors, but the weather is changing and now with indoor environments being open to unvaccinated guests, I expect to see some reluctance for people to be out and about. Some people will be less likely to go out and I also wonder how our staff might feel about working in an environment where there is less protection but then i also appreciate that there are some businesses in our sector those with larger venues who cater to a a younger perhaps less risk-averse clientele this will be really welcome news and uh you know they'll they'll be celebrating this but I, i don't think it's necessarily the great news that we all needed and hoped for because just by removing restrictions uh, doesn't mean that the threat is over. And yes, for some people, it will be a deterrent.
1: That was Rebecca Smith, co-owner of Kazador Restaurant in Auckland, talking to Media Watchers Hayden Donnell about loud
2: calls in the media from advocates of opening up the economy. And earlier he spoke to Mark Dalder, senior reporter for Newsroom.co.nz, and the author of an article this week headlined, Welcome to Living with COVID, in which he argued that the problem is the pandemic itself not pandemic restrictions.